Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee Greenest state in the land of the free Raised in the woods so he knew every tree Killed him a bar when he was only three Davy, Davy Crockett Take one street urchin. Creeps. And one con man with a scheme. This ain't no juvenile hall. Pour into a huge country estate. What a shack. Add a pinch of mystery. Garlic keeps ghosts away. Garlic keeps everyone away. Mix well and voila. Welcome to Candleshoe. This place is a nut house. This little imposter came all the way across the Atlantic just to cheat the sweet little old lady and her family. I think she's no more related to ground than, than the postman. But she learns all isn't well at Candleshoe. I've got to go back to the children's home. Candleshoe is being sold to pay the rates and taxes. What about Grandma? It's a place the county has. It's very nice, really. Lots of people her age. But the house gone. There's nowhere else for her to go. So she joins them on a merry chase that leads them straight to a lost fortune. Too much. David Niven, Jodie Foster, David Niven, Helen Hayes, and David Niven star in Candleshoe, this month's Played Again Cinema winner. Welcome, everyone, to a Jodie Foster-rific episode of Be Kind, Rewind. This is your Disney Plus movie podcast. I, of course, am Dan Teets. And with us, as always... Uh, Kyra Hawkins. Uh, Kyra Hawkins? Uh. <laughs> Maybe I should say the Kyra. Well, there's multiple. There's there's more than one Kyra Hawkins, but I'm the one that's on this show. Yes. The Kyra Hawkins. From the middle of the country. And we are back in Jodie Foster land. And I think we're going to have different, different, words are hard, differing opinions on this movie. But tonight we are covering the December 16th, 1977 classic known as Candleshoe. And there is no box office figures for whatever reason. Either it didn't do well enough to make any money. Or it just, nobody wants to know how much money it made or something like that. I have no clue. Yeah, I saw I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I saw that it just had a limited release. So maybe it wasn't, I mean, they still track that. So yeah. surprised it wasn't out there to be found. But Yeah, I was, I was surprised that, but this is like the fourth or fifth movie that we have found that hasn't had box office or if it was because i mean the um what was the one that was the new real life adventures that we covered like three or four weeks ago or three or four podcasts ago where it was the bear and the raccoon that was part of the double feature with the rescuers yeah <laughs> yeah that that's, one that's how memorable that movie was i have no idea i like i know what you're talking about but i have no idea that one had no box office figures. Of course, maybe that was because they put it in with the rescuers and figured people would go to see both of them, so they only counted the money once. Just thinking about that movie is making me feel kind of sleepy. <laughs> but it's not a Western. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right. But, yeah, we're we're talking about Candle Shoe, and I say I've seen this one. I 
could be misremembering it with another Jodie Foster Disney movie, but because this did not turn out the way that I thought it would. But had you watched this movie? Was it in your rotation? Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Okay. And it probably will not be in your rotation from what you're starting to say. Um. Not giving away the ending, but. Yeah, spoiler alert. I won't watch this again. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, this this was a mystery that went wrong, I think. I think they took it too far afield, and maybe it was made for the kids. I don't really know. But we'll get into all that when we start discussing the movie. So, All right. So the synopsis, which comes to us care of Wikipedia, goes a little something like this. Con artist Harry Bundage believes that long-lost treasure of Captain Pir- or Pirate Captain Joshua St. Edmund is hidden at Candleshoot, a large country estate of Lady St. Edmund. Thanks to Harry's cousin Clara, a corrupt former cleaning lady at Candleshoot, Harry has the captain's first clue. Harry recruits street-smart American foster child Casey Brown, employing her to pose as Lady St. Edmund's granddaughter, the Honorable Margaret, fourth Marchioness of Candleshoot, who disappeared ten years ago at age four. Casey is the right age to pass for the long-lost Margaret and possesses several identifying scars that young Margaret was known to have. Casey agrees to go along with the con and discovers further clues in exchange for the cut of the profit. Arriving at Candleshoot, Casey finds that Lady St. Edmund is living on genteel poverty and that Candleshoot itself is constantly on the verge of being unable to pay its taxes. Priory, the estate's butler, who is forced to pose as various members of the household to conceal all that all the other servants have been let go, manages to keep one step ahead of the foreclosure by pawning the house's antiques, <clears throat> conducting tours of the estate, and selling produce at market. Four local orphans adopted by Lady St. Edmund assist priory. Casey eventually becomes part of the family and decides to find the treasure for the benefit of Candleshoe rather than for Harry. This nearly cost the girl her life when she is seriously injured trying to prevent Harry from stealing money from Lady St. Edmund. Casey, now unconscious with a severe concussion, is taken to the hospital and remains there for several days. Meanwhile, without the money Harry has stolen, Candleshoe is unable to pay its taxes and is within days of foreclosure. When Casey learns that Lady St. Edmund is prepared to go to a retirement home and send the children back to the orphanage, she breaks down and tells them about the treasure. After unraveling the final clue together, the household returns to Candleshoe to find Harry and his crew, tearing the place apart, looking for the hidden treasure. Casey, Priory, and the children manage to fight off the thieves until the police arrive, inadvertently discovering the treasure in the process. With Candleshoe safe and her scheme discovered, Casey, feeling she has no right to stay, returns, prepares to return to Los Angeles, but is, stayed, but is stopped by Lady St. Edmund, who offers her a real home at Candleshoe. Casey expresses doubt, wondering what will happen if Lady St. Edmund's real granddaughter ever returns, but, is she, but she is eventually persuaded to return to Candleshoe with Lady St. Edmund. The, end, the ending is ambiguous as to whether Casey truly is the real Mark. The four clues revealed in the hunt for the treasure are as follows. For the Sunrise student, there is treasure among books. 
This refers to a message in a stained glass window that can only be seen in the Candleshoe Library at sunrise. The paths of glory lead but to the grave. This refers to the poem, Elegy Written in a church, Country Churchyard, by Thomas Gray. He follows the eclipse for riches and fame, and if you would prosper, you should do the same. This clue refers to a painting of Captain St. Edmund's ship, The Eclipse. Underfoot, in a great hall, look high, look low, discover all. This clue refers to a statue of Captain St. Edmund in Candleshoe's Great Hall. The statue's foot is propped on a, on a chest in which the treasure is hidden. The end of the synopsis. Alright, so what was your first impression of this movie? Um, well... I'm not sure where to start. I was bored. I I found it really hard to get into. And um, I don't know. I just I tried really hard to care. <laughs> and I just, I just didn't. I mean, I took a lot of notes. But I didn't, like, I just didn't like it. Yeah. And I, and I could see, I could see why you would say that. It kind of had a Emil and the Detectives vibe to it in a very bad way. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple... I guess I shouldn't say that I hated every bit of it. There were things here and there that were fine, but just in general, it wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, real quick, box <laughs> office numbers. Oh, okay. Um, the film in the USA received a special one-week pre-release... Preview season, I don't know what that means, in order for the picture to qualify for Oscars consideration. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so this says it was uh, had a budget of $4 million. Okay. And it played on one screen in Los Angeles between oh. December 16th and 22nd. <sighs> so that's why we don't have box office numbers. And... And it was mainly for the um, Oscar people to go and say, yeah, we just wasted an hour and a half of our lives. Yeah. Well, and what's funny is, like, the three leads are all Oscar winners. Mm -hmm. Just not for this one. <laughs> yeah. So let's go ahead and start breaking this castle estate down. I started, as I do normally with um, Stream of Consciousness writing, and I said, did this movie just start with Jodie Foster throwing a hubcap, then stealing a basketball, and then putting a banana peel in the post office box? To establish her as a delinquent. Oh, it was... so is that how you did it back in the late 70s? Okay, I'm sorry. I guess so. Like, she looks so smug, too. Like, she looks at the, at the trash can before taking extra steps to go out of her way to put banana peels in the post office box. And so she gets back to her house, or the tenement, I guess. It's not really a house. Yeah. And there's this goon standing inside, I guess it's her foster parents' house. Uh, although, I mean, I, they never actually say whether she's an orphan or whether she's a just a kid on the run and this is where she's plopped for the last couple weeks. Yeah, I think. Well, I'm pretty sure the synopsis said that she's um, a foster child, but it's like these people are terrible. Oh, yeah. And then they 
they pretty much sell her to this guy. Oh, yeah. Street, like she, a street smart American foster kid. I got you. Okay. She, like, thinks that they've sold her out to the cops, but they really sell her to this goon. Which, this is the second Disney movie, I think, in the last three weeks where we've had a foster family buy or sell a child. Because Pete's Dragon had that. Yeah. Yeah, so she gets sold out for whatever, and she gets pretty much shipped off to England because she has a birthmark or some kind of scar. Well, I think that they were like... I don't know. I I read this as that they were like asking her where she got it. She says she doesn't remember. And they're like, just keep not remembering. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if they were like, I don't know, making sure that she didn't have a story for it. I don't know. That would like go be contrary to what um, the person's history was that they were like making her pretend to be. Mm -hmm. That's a long way of saying that. Yeah, but then the the thing is, she doesn't ever... I mean, everything points to the fact that she is not who they claim that she is. Because she doesn't like the things that this girl liked. She doesn't break out in hives with strawberries. Mm -hmm. Which is a very bad allergy to have, considering I love strawberries and couldn't imagine not being able to eat them. Don't kids, like, sometimes outgrow food allergies like that though i think so so i wonder like it could have been covered but it, it kind of does establish that she's not who they're telling her to pretend to be mm-hmm. but there's still like i mean when she gets over there there's question like oh maybe it is her yeah but the next thing that i put was wasn't the birthmark the way that they found Waterworld? oh gosh is <sighs> holy kevin costner is that a disney movie <laughs> I don't think so, but it, but I mean, that shows you how far afield I was stretching to try to find something worth picking on this movie. Because Did you, li- do you like it? I, I didn't say I liked it. I didn't say I disliked it. It, I don't really know how to describe it. It was, it was a movie. <laughs> it was, it was a movie that you watched. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I thought um, she's, like, making the deal with, like, what's his name? Harry. Mm -hmm. I forgot his last name. Um, But, like, he just is making her more shady, like, with this weird business deal that they've come up with. Mm And the turn that she takes later in the movie is, like, not surprising, but interesting, I guess. So... So she gets shipped off to England with Harry and with this cousin that we find out about who used to work as a maid or something for the, whatever the lady's official title was. And the whole reason is they are trying to find a treasure that has been lost for a couple hundred years. And there is one gold doubloon that they said was worth $4,000. Can I just say the word doubloon is always so weird to me. It always makes me laugh. It's just, it's awkward. I hate that word, but it's funny. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Doubloon, doubloon, doubloon. And then Casey just palms it like it's no big deal. And then she was going to go 
cash it in. And so they get, she starts getting indoctrinated on all the things that she's supposed to do and what she's not supposed to do and the do's and don'ts and what you need to remember and what you don't. And meanwhile, as she's learning the con, she's looking at a Ferrari, um, I guess an advertisement. And I want to know what type of Ferrari she was actually looking at. And that Harry was That Harry was going to buy her. Because she was going to take, I think, 20% of the cut and a Ferrari. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. But she's like, well, I guess, did they say she's 15? So, yeah, I guess that works. Yeah, because she said, you get the car and I'll worry about learning how to drive it. Well, I just am like, what is the matter with you, Casey? Like, find a place to live. I guess yeah. she wants to live in her Ferrari. Yeah, maybe. It's... She's supposed to be street smart, but I don't know. You'd think she would think about that. Yeah. So... She finishes her training, and they go to meet the lady, and they start trying to pull the con, and it seems like it's going well, and then all of a sudden, Casey just flips it on on his head and says, look, lady, I'm not who you think I am. This guy just brought me along, and I was along for a ride to England, so I'll go ahead and leave you, and she walks out. Yeah, I was confused by that, but part of me was like, oh, she's going to turn this around like, yeah. and make it part of the con, and of course, mm-hmm. that's what happens. You know, I don't think we ever get the lady's name. She's just like Lady St. Edmund or something. Yeah. In my notes, I just have her as Granny. Yeah, it's Lady, lady St. Edmund is the is how it's actually listed. So, And so Harry gets mad at her, and... She starts saying, well, just sit here, just sit here, and the car won't start, so they can't leave. Very coincidentally, because they walk out and tell them that they need to talk to her. And then she starts asking certain questions about a loose brick and Priory, who I loved. Yeah, he was a bright spot in this movie. He had, he's like, well, yeah, that, that place has been polished for 400 years. And suddenly he finds the loose brick, and now she's in, like, Flynn. Well, yeah, she, like, knew about that, right? And mm-hmm. so she was able to, that's how she worked her, like... Worked her way in. Yeah. Back to the con. Yeah, and so she goes up and starts the unpacking of her few things that she actually has. And we get introduced to Teddy and Piggywig, which I believe was Winnie the Pooh and Piglet. Yeah, they looked kind of like that. It was like, we just called them what they are. And so she's told to start looking for the, there, there was a clue that she had to look for. And it was, for the Sunrise student, there is treasure among books. And so she starts looking through all of the library books, not really knowing what she's looking for. In a green, ugly shade of green library. Yeah, that was a horrible room. Like, I would love to have a room like that, but this Mm. one was ugly. Mm. I don't know if, like, I'm just a goofus doofus or if these clues were hard to follow. Um, I thought they were all a little confusing. Mm. Um, And... Like when she's in the library, there's it's like showing words above some of the shelves, 
Mm -hmm. There was one that I was like, oh, that's the one. And it wasn't. I, I was looking for clues that weren't there. So you were trying to actually solve the mystery with them. Yeah. I mean, at first I was like... Oh, I bet that's a clue, and it wasn't. Or, I bet that's a clue. It wasn't. But it was like, I don't know. I just, maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention. I was really trying. Um, But I just found the clues all a little confusing. I think I missed some details here and there, though, so that didn't help. Well, and see, I had I had the synopsis up in front of me, and I was trying to read along with the clues to figure out where they were going with it. And I somehow missed that it was only going to be there at sunrise. Yeah, I didn't catch that either. And I don't know. I just um, I just felt very lost. And I was like, is this a comedy? Is it a mystery? I guess it's supposed to be both. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, Listen, there's a reason why I'm bad in escape rooms. Nobody wants me on their team in an escape room because I can't solve puzzles like that. It takes me too long. Um, And this movie made me feel about as dumb as I did in an escape room, like trying to figure these clues out. Don't feel bad because I I was staring at the clues and couldn't figure out where they were going with. Yeah. So she finds the first clue and, of course, she calls Harry and lets him know what's going on. And this is where we meet the rest of the kids from the orphanage that are now living with the lady. Yeah, I was confused. I thought they were adopted, but they're just there. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that Clooney was an interesting name. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're like it, when she meets them. There's automatically a little tension between her and Clooney. Mm-hmm. I think she's. I think Clooney is suspicious of her, which is interesting. Um, I was a little weirded out by the fact that, like, they're basically, like, forcing these kids into child labor to keep this place afloat. (laughs) I was like, that's a little odd. I mean, chores is one thing, but they're, like, actively working and selling stuff to make money to keep this place afloat. Yeah, but it seemed like most of them didn't didn't mind it because they'd been doing it and they liked where they were staying because given the option, wouldn't you rather stay in a castle than in a than in a orphanage? Yeah. Even I if just, it is an English orphanage, which we don't know if that's better or worse. Um, I just, I don't know. It struck me as a little odd. <laughs> like, what, is this like indentured servitude or I don't know. It just was strange to me, but they did seem happy. Mm-hmm. Um they're cared for. So Priory, I think it's like around this time after she meets the other kids that we figure out or it's revealed that Priory is running around dressing up in costumes, pretending to be other household staff. Yeah. Um, which was kind of funny anyways. Like he was just so good in all of these. But like once... Later, it was revealed. Actually, I knew ahead of time because I had kind of read through the synopsis to try to prime myself. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that she knows the entire time that he's doing that and is like messing with him made this part, like these scenes in the movie, so much more enjoyable and funny. Because mm-hmm. it's not like he's uh, like tricking her. She knows 
that it's him in all of these costumes and she just is like constantly messing with him. Yeah. If I had not known that going, like if I hadn't realized that she knew it wouldn't have been as funny, but knowing that she was just messing with him the entire movie made it really fun to me. Yeah. And I mean, let me see. He played the gardener. The or colonel. Was the butler. The colonel, which we just met at the very, towards the end of the movie, but, um, the driver. Yeah. There's like three or four different people that he's pretending to be. He was just funny. I did like him. So, yeah, once, once we, once it's revealed that Priory is actually playing all these different roles and the whole reason is because the mansion's hanging on by a thread basically trying to make money to pay for the taxes every month by the indentured servitude or whatever it is that the children are doing to go out and sell the fruits and vegetables and bread and whatever else it was. So, meanwhile, Casey's trying to figure out how to get to the treasure because she really doesn't give a rip about the um, mansion itself. Yeah, she doesn't care about the taxes or the family or anybody for right now and so she goes out and she starts reading the book which is the um elegy written on a country churchyard and she plops down on a um railing of a of a fence and Clooney takes umbrage to that and there's a girl fight and somehow during this the book just disappears and it's never really brought up again so they didn't say they were missing it. Priory doesn't say, well, there was a book missing from the library and somebody said you had it. It wasn't thrown in the lake and ended up floating. It just disappeared. just wasn't there. Yeah. Um, I did, like, I, I guess I should have seen it coming because it had kind of been building to that fight. And then, um, of course, they go to dinner. Or they're at dinner in the house. And... Um, Casey lies and covers for Clooney, who you can tell has been crying and is upset. And I thought, okay, like, that's, I think that was predictable that, like, she covers for her and then now they're buddies. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like everybody had actually gotten involved in that fight in some way or other. And so, yeah, after that, everybody's all hunky-dory and it's kind of like Casey's starting to see that there's more to life than just the con and everything that that goes with it. Yeah. She's like kind of relaxing into this family and feeling, it seems like she's feeling good about it. Mm -hmm. Maybe she wants to stay. And so I I think at that point I started to feel a little confused. Like I wasn't surprised (laughs) that she was doing that, but the movie didn't go in the direction. I think my sleepy brain was thinking it was going to, um, because then Harry and Clara show up again and are getting like kind of violent and scary with her. Um, I guess it makes sense that they would do that because they still want the money. Mm-hmm. So let me let me go ahead and stop right there because you said it didn't go in the way that you thought it was going to. How did you think? I don't really know that I was thinking anything. I just thought, okay, well, she's like kind of getting comfortable in this family situation and maybe the rest of the movie is about her adapting and then maybe the like money stuff comes up again at the end, which I mean it does, but it just 
the family stuff didn't last as long as I thought it would. But she starts to care about paying the taxes. They earn the money so that they can pay the taxes and keep the place. Um, that's, again, I think Harry and Claire show up and rob her. And mm-hmm. Yeah, because cause they had actually made the money that they needed. And then Harry shows up and tells her, well, just tell them that you were robbed on the way back. And Casey's like, no, I can't do that. We we need this money for the for the um for the taxes, and so she ends up chasing him and his rusty old rust bucket of car down the road. Yeah, she was pretty brave. And she was keeping up with him until him or Clara pushes her out, and she gets knocked out cold. Yeah, I thought it was um kind of jarring. Like before she starts chasing them. While they're in the car, he, like, hits her with something. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and then that, and, I mean, obviously, they're bad guys, so it shouldn't be surprising. But it just um, caught me off guard that they would strike a child that way. Um, I just, I don't know, it struck me. But that's that was interesting language for me to use after she gets hit. It struck me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It, it caught me off guard that he hit her as hard as he did and that, that they were so violent. In a Disney movie. But we're starting to see more violence in the Disney movies. True. So, yay. Not really, but... Well, they don't have the money to pay the taxes, and house is going to be auctioned. Yeah. And so she's only gotten two of the clues for the for the money. And so when she does finally come to, she reveals to the rest of the orphans what she had been trying to do. And they run out and tell Priory that they need, or somehow they they come across the fact that the third clue is actually for the ship. Yeah, it's like in a painting or something. Yeah, which Priory had just sold to try to make the money to cover it. And the lady's like, well, wait a minute. You sold my painting? Like, you didn't just see things start mysteriously disappearing from your house all these years? They sold everything, Granny. Like, you yeah. lost the farm. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, like, this, so the next scene is them chasing the train, trying to, like, catch up so that they can stop the train somehow and get the painting. And um, there are a few, um, like, POV shots of, like, you're the car or you're, the, like, the nose of the car or whatever. Um, it was so bad. Like, the, it was just shaky. It made me feel a little queasy. Yeah, and all of this was because Priory says, well, the 1220 hasn't been on time for eight years. Yeah. And, of course, this is going to be the one day that it is on time because we've got to have a chase scene in a Disney movie. I mean, we get to see some really beautiful scenery. Yeah. I'll say that. Um it's just a nice little farm town. I thought the thing of like them stopping on the train tracks and, and granny just being like, well, make the train stop, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they're holding their breath as it just barely taps the car when it stops. I thought that was a little much. Yeah. But of course, I mean, with this being a Disney movie, you knew they weren't going to just run and run everybody over. Cause that's not the way that these movies end in this time. I just it was like, why, Granny? Why are you making him like? It wasn't just that he stopped on the train tracks; it's that she refused to get out of the car. It's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, 
And it's all because he's like, well, they've got the latest in brakes, so just get out and we'll wait for the train to stop and then everything will be fine. She's like, well, they got the latest in brakes, so we should be fine. Just make sure the train stops in time. Yeah, there's not enough room, realistically, for that train to stop. Yeah. Like, if you think about, like, I don't even know that much about trains, but I know this, it they're very big and fast and heavy, and it takes them a long time to stop. By the time that conductor sees them sitting on the train tracks, in reality, I they would have been smithereens. Poor car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, feel more sorry for the car because it was out there against its will. The other two were like, I was standing here. By golly. <laughs> but, yes. As is the case in Disney movies and cartoons, the train stops in time and all people are fine. And so they tell them the reason why they've stopped on the tracks and they find the painting and they find the fourth clue, which is, come on now, why is my computer not working? Underfoot in the Great Hall, look high, look, ho- look low, discover all. Yeah, okay. I was like, so when we get this... <laughs> Like, the next scene is, like, this huge fight between the children and uh, Priory and um, Harry and his gang of thugs. Mm-hmm. Um, I kept thinking, because it said underfoot. So, I every time they would, like, run across a rug, I was like, it's under the rug. It wasn't. <laughs> it was, like, a statue that was in there. But, like, so... This fight scene made me um, feel some things. I was like, I was trying so hard to think it was funny because it's supposed to be funny. Um, Mm -hmm. There were a few gags here and there that were, like, I did kind of chuckle at. But um, really, my main takeaway was, like, they're bad fighters. (laughs) This scene went on way too long. I did Mm -hmm. Enjoy the gag of like Clara keeps getting pushed into fireplaces and covered in soot. Um, but once you get down to it's like mostly just Priory and Harry fighting, mm-hmm. it's funny, but it made me want to watch the fight scene um, at the end of Bullwhip Griffin. Yes. So that- much better. Yeah, um, this one was fine. Like, once it was just down to those, like, those two, their scenes were funny. But it made me, like, that that fight scene was so stupid in Bullwhip Griffin. But it was like, this is hilarious. This is so bizarre and weird and funny that I didn't care that it went on so long. Mm-hmm. And this one um, didn't make me feel that way. It made me feel like it was going on too long. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, my last comment on the movie, well, we're going to back up to one thing that is a realistic miscue, but not right now. The fact that the statue had been standing up there that whole time with this big, heavy box of doubloons underneath it. Yes. And then all that it takes is a man running into it, and suddenly... The whole thing just falls down. This is a 400-year-old castle, and it was constructed that badly that you have one person run into it, and suddenly, basically the whole house could have collapsed. 
is the way yeah. it looked like it could have happened. I kept waiting for that, actually. Like, once it started to collapse, I thought, well, this is the end of the castle. Poor Kim um, But it wasn't just, like, I don't know. It, it seemed to end a little abruptly, like, once they're like, mm-hmm. oh, all the money, and everything's okay. Um, and then Granny's like, she goes and stops Casey from leaving. Mm-hmm. And she stays there, and that's it, I guess. And they all lived happily ever after, until they run out of money again. Yeah. I thought, okay, so in the fight scene, it what ends the fight scene is that Harry is somehow in front of Casey, and she tickles him. And she says, Gucci, Gucci, goo. And then he falls, and that starts the whole thing of the building collapsing and I was like did they have to end it that way like did she have to tickle him and say Gucci Gucci Goo <laughs> it's like I'm laughing at it now but in the moment I was like why did they just do that mm-hmm. so my only other note was when Priory had to go out as the colonel mm-hmm. I took riding lessons for I think three or four years and was actually a camp counselor at a place that had horses. The girth on that horse, it doesn't go up under the withers. It goes underneath the belly and more towards the back because otherwise what's going to happen is exactly what happens to Priory. He ends up going butt over tea kettle Mm -hmm. once he hits a tree. And I was surprised that the saddle itself actually was still on there because it could have slid off over the horse's head. Yeah. But, like, I wonder if that was intentional because, like, they all knew that he didn't know how to ride a horse Mm -hmm. and were, like, kind of goading him on trying to get him to do it. That that was where it was especially funny knowing that Granny knew the whole time that it was Mm -hmm. him because she's like, oh, yes, I'd love to see it. Yeah, but yeah, I was like, oh god, so so wrong. <laughs> Actually, you wouldn't even be able to get on a horse with the saddle that far up on the on the horse. I don't think. I mean, it's been thirty years since I've gotten on a horse that I didn't saddle myself. So, and I rode English saddle. I hardly ever rode Western saddle. So I'm just like. Oh, God, I hope he doesn't die. Because <laughs> I, I knew something bad was going to happen, especially with him having issues with the horses to start with. Mm-hmm. But mm, it's one of the bad things about knowing enough about something to say you didn't do that right to even start with. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes for a better podcast because, like, none of that made sense to me. Um, I mean, I was just going to take the movie's word for it. But, I, like, knowing even, like, he's doing all of this and he has no idea what he's really doing. Yeah. And it, and it became evident when he said, I'm going to put my foot in this leather thing here. And they're like, oh, you mean the stirrup? Yes, the stirrup. That's what it's yes, called. That. It's been, that thing. We didn't call them that back then. Yeah. I think that Priory was probably the highlight of the movie for yeah. me. Yeah. And somehow, like I said, I, I would have to start looking just to see because I'm... I'm so confused about what movie it was that I was even thinking about now because I know I've seen a Jodie Foster mystery that wasn't Silence of the Lambs. Hmm. 
And it wasn't Maverick. No, and it wasn't Maverick. So I'm pulling up her her Wikip or her IMDb right now, and I don't know why didn't I just searched. I think that Maverick is like until this Maverick is the only Jodie Foster movie I've ever seen. I think my grandma probably watched Little Man Tate when I was growing up, so I was exposed to that, but I don't know anything about it. Not not familiar with that. If my computer will work, and it's going to make for great audio, and I'm leaving it in well, just so that way people will see that we are humans and things go wrong. I will this time saying I haven't seen Silence of the Lambs just because I'm a scaredy cat. Too scary didn't watch? Yeah, if they... Well, I need to scroll through their archives because they may have done that one already. I don't know. But if they do, I'll listen to it. Flight plan... Too recent for her. Hold on. Anna and the King. That was a great movie. Maverick. See. Stealing Home. God, that movie's so sad. Candle Shoe. Freaky Friday. No, I guess it was Candle Shoe. That's the only other movie that I'm seeing. Because it was like three years later when she made her next movie. So, I don't know. It must have been Candle Shoe. But yeah, that this movie did not end the way that I thought that that movie did. Of course, I might have fallen asleep in the middle of it, too. There's no tell. It's funny you say that because I did actually feel myself starting to doze off at some point during this movie. I think it was about, it was a little a little bit past the halfway point. I paused it and set an alarm on my phone for like 15 minutes ahead of whatever time it was and went to sleep. <laughs> and what did we miss? Nothing. Not, well, I mean, I paused the movie. Oh, But okay. I did like, was like... I'm going to fall asleep in this movie. So I paused it and took a little nap. Now everyone knows that. And we do not judge you for it. So, yeah. Huh. Interesting fact. David Niven was in Pink Panther movies. Oh, really? Yes. Who did he play? He played Sir Charles Lytton in Trail of the Pink Panther and Curse of the Pink Panther. Hmm. So. I haven't... I know I've seen those at some point in my life. I know they're funny, but I haven't seen them in so long. I barely remember. I, ju- I just figured out what, what it was. It was the Canterville Ghost. Totally different movie. 1974. David Niven was in that. That's where that's where I was starting to figure things out. Okay, that makes more sense now. And you're like, who, what, where, what? Yeah. I, I don't know that movie either. Sorry. No, hey, you're fine. Yeah, it's a poor poor ghost has been roaming his castle searching for a brave descendant who will release him from his Canterville curse. An American family moves in and finds the ghost amusing, but a young girl in the family can release him if she did. Let me see who the girl was. Yeah, it was definitely not Jodie Foster. But that's that's what it was. Okay, that makes sense. Now, 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 now it's all starting to smell like roses and petunias again. Or is it toast? Am I having a stroke? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you, so y'all just went along with the with the ride to find out that I am losing my mind and confusing another movie with this one, which explains why this movie did not end the way that I thought it did. So. Yeah, um, I read that it's like basically a ripoff of Anastasia, which I have never seen. Um, I'm vaguely familiar with the story, and it. I guess kind of hits the same things like an orphan pretending to be somebody else. So there's that. 
Um, like I said at the top, I won't be watching this again. And we have a set. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else that that we've missed on your notes? No, we've pretty much hit everything I had. Okay. All right, well, uh, let's go ahead and dive into the three questions because I pretty much know how they are all going to be answered. What is today's impact on this movie? Considering you didn't know about it, I thought it was a totally different movie than the one that it turned out to be, and it was only in theaters for a week. <laughs> one theater. One theater mm-hmm. for one what? week. Um, Today's impact, uh, I, like... How often, I guess people do identity theft, so it probably wouldn't be too difficult to make Mm -hmm. this plausible in today's world. But now, since we are talking about identity theft, we did reveal, it it was revealed that she wasn't actually the long-lost grandchild, right? I think it leaves it a little ambiguous. Okay. But based on like what was going on in the in her like training or whatever, like where she's learning about the girl that she's pretending to be, it seemed like she definitely wasn't. But once again, we've we've discussed at the beginning that it is possible to outgrow allergies and things that you like when you were growing up, you don't really like now. Yeah. Like um, the rice pudding. I love rice pudding. I don't know what she had a problem with. I mean, like. Harry pretty much seemingly chooses a random American teenager to go and pretend to be this long-lost British kid whose parents were killed in a car accident in Great Britain. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's like, how did how did he find out about her to get her to go? I don't know. It, if you dig too deep, it starts to make less sense. <laughs> But I think, like, that indicates she's not who she's pretending to be. All right. So so this movie could be done today as a identity theft movie redone. Would they? Probably not, because... I hope not. Coming this fall to Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Candle Shoe. They better not do... Starring can- Jodie Foster as the grandmother. Okay, that would be kind of funny, but... Robin Hood first. <laughs> you and your Robin Hoods. Well, they're supposed to be doing a like CGI slash live action, so mm-hmm. I hope they do. Yeah. Not of this. I don't want more of this. Why don't we turn this into an animated feature? I think they did. It's called Anastasia. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. All right. I'm done. All right. Well, let's go ahead and answer the next two questions real quick, since we're both already losing our mind with this with this movie. Um, is this movie mirrored in culture? No. Anastasia. <laughs> identity Identity Thief, starring yeah. Kevin or Jason Bateman. Yeah, Kevin Bateman. And <laughs> there's yeah, no, that's all I got. And how does it fit into our society? It doesn't really. People try to claim who they are, or who they are, just to. St- get what's not theirs and they go on with their lives yeah and that happened in annie which was right around this time too yeah i think i like specifically this movie no maybe some of the themes and things that happen in it but in general no not it's not well 
I think we've ripped this one to shreds. You probably won't be watch. You will not be watching it again. I now that I know that it's not the movie that I thought it was, probably will not unless Thompson gets wild hair when he's starting to discover girls and <laughs> sees Jodie Foster on the screen. <laughs> either. So, um, all right, yeah, we're gonna go ahead and put a pin in this one. End this episode. If this is your favorite movie of all time. Please write us, let us know what we're missing. You can write us at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. You can also tell us what your favorite Disney movie is, if we've covered it, what we said wrong about it, because we are 120 plus episodes in now. So there's quite a back catalog of episodes that of movies that are better, that are worse. And you know which ones are worse because I'm starting to see people actually go back and start to listen to those episodes again, which is funny because it's the ones that we mention in every episode and we're not going to tonight. <laughs> so well, go back and listen to the best five worst five list and like listen to those episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fine with that too, but we do have new listeners. So thank you for tagging along with us. And tell your neighbors, tell your friends, tell a random stranger on the bus about us. And let them know they can laugh along with us because we laugh at things more than we probably need to sometimes. You can laugh at us. Yeah, laugh at us, laugh with us, just laugh. I know, I'm a goofball. (laughs) Speaking of goofballs, our next episode, your homework. We always leave you with homework. Sorry is Return to Witch Mountain, the sequel to Escape from from Witch Mountain. Why they would want to return after they escaped, I don't know, but we'll get into that next week. So, as is always the case, until we speak again, stay stay safe. Take two, click. (laughs) Stay safe, stay hungry, and stay out of libraries when the sun's coming up. Talk to y'all next week. Thank you for listening. You can send us feedback at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. We welcome any kind of feedback, and it might get read on the air in a future podcast. Once again, the email address is BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. If you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast on whatever streaming service you are listening to us on. This and word of mouth are the two ways to help us reach a larger audience. Thank you in advance for doing this. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Goodbye. between here and London. Are we licked? Of course not. Give chase, Priory. We must flag them down somehow.
my car across the tracks. Yes, lady. But if the train doesn't stop in time... Of course it'll stop in time. They have marvellous brakes on those locomotives. Over there, quick. Milady. I shall remain here, thank you. But, milady, you just said it would stop in time. Yes, but... They have marvellous brakes, I believe. Milady, I must insist. I shall not leave this car. <laughs> but just make sure it does stop in time. Very good, milady. 